Book One, Chapter Nine of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book One, Chapter Nine at this particular time of my life many things began to puzzle me but nothing was a greater puzzle than the character of my guardian morose or moody he was not though a stranger might have thought him so nor could i end with the conviction that his heart was cold it rather seemed to me as if he felt that it ought to be so and tried his best to settle down as the inmate of an ice-house but any casual flush of love any glow of native warmth from the hearts around him and taken by surprise he wavered for one traitor moment and in his eyes gleamed some remembrance like firelight upon frozen windows but let any one attempt to approach him then with softness to stir kind interest and feeling into benevolent expression and mr vaughan would promptly shut himself in again with a bar of irony or a bolt of sarcasm only to my mother was his behavior different towards her his manner was so gentle and his tone so kind that but for my conviction that remorse lay under it i must have come to like him true they did not often meet for dear mother confined herself in spite of mrs daldy more and more closely to her own part of the house and rarely had the spirits now to share in the meals of the family therefore i began at once to take her place and would not listen to mrs daldy's kind offer to relieve me this had led quite recently to a little outbreak one day i had been rather late for dinner and entering the room with a proud apology found to my amazement mrs daldy at the head of the table for me a seat was placed as for a good little girl by the side of master clement at first i had not the presence of mind to speak but stood by my rival's chair waiting for her to rise she affected not to understand me and began with her hand on the ladle and looking me full in the face i fear darling clara the soup is cold but your uncle can give you a very nice slice of salmon have you offered thanks for these mercies thank you i will take soup allow me to help myself i am sorry to have troubled you and i placed my hand on the back of her chair presuming that she would get up but she never stirred one inch and actually called for a plate to help me my guardian was looking at both of us with a dry smile of amusement and clement began to simper and play with his fork now for it or never thought i mrs daldy you quite mistake me or pretend to do so have the goodness to quit my chair she had presumed on my dread of an altercation before the servants but only thomas henwood happened to be in the room had there been a dozen present i would still have asserted my right at last she rose in her stateliest manner but with an awkward smile and a still more awkward sneer your use my poor child of the possessive pronoun is far more emphatic than your good breeding is who cares for your opinion not a hospitable inquiry but then she was not my visitor in grand style she marched to the door but soon thought better of it and came to her proper place with the sigh of a contrite spirit poor creature it is a rebuke to me for my want of true faith in the efficacy of prayer and after all this she made a most excellent dinner about that woman there was something of a slimy pride no more like to upright prickly self-respect than macerated bird-lime is to the stiff bright holly yet no one i ever knew possessed such wiry powers of irritation whenever my mother and my guardian met she took care to be in the way and watched them both and appealed to me with all her odious pantomime of sorrow sympathy wonder loving superiority and spiritual yearnings and all the time her noisome smile like the smell of a snake 
came over us she knew and rejoiced in the knowledge how hard set i was to endure it and every quick flash of my eyes only lit up her unctuous glory for all i know it was natural that my antipathy to that woman should by reaction thaw sometimes my coldness towards my uncle though self-respect had at length compelled him to abandon his overtures to my friendship now and then i detected him looking at me with a pitying regard in self-defense i began to pity him and ceased to make faces or sneer when the maids those romantic beings declared that he must have been crossed in love at this conclusion long ago all the servants hall had arrived and even little tilly jenkins not admitted as yet to that high conclave remarkable only for living in dustbins and too dirty to cause uneasiness to the undershoe boy's mother even that tilly i say ran up to me one morning when i went to see my dear pony and beat out her dust and then whispered oh please miss clara to give my very best wishes to master what a terrible blight to the heart be unrequited love and tilly sighed a great cloud of brick dust terrible tilly i hope you have not fallen in love with the weeding boy a smart young lad ten stairs at least above her me miss do you think i would so demean myself and tilly caught up her dustpan arrogantly this little anecdote proves a fact which i never could explain viz that none of the servants were ever afraid of me to return to the straight line of history my guardian came home rather late that evening and some hours after the hasty exit of mrs and master daldy while i was waiting in some uneasiness it struck me that he had kept out of the way on purpose lest he should seem too anxious about the plot mrs daldy as i found afterwards had written to him from the inn describing my frenzied violence and foaming satanic fury perhaps i turned pale no more and announcing her intention to remain at malvern until she should be apprised whether uncle or niece were the master in the latter case she demanded not that she cared for mammon but as a humble means for the advancement of the kingdom the sum of three hundred pounds that being the lowest salary conscience allowed her to specify for treading the furnace of affliction to save the lost sheep of the house of israel i forgot to say that before she left the house she had tried to obtain an interview with my mother hoping no doubt to leave her in the cataleptic state but this had been sternly prevented by thomas henwood who performed quite a labor of love in ministering the expulsion all the servants hated her as a canting sneak and a spy that night when i received mr edgar vaughan's short missive clara i wish to see you immediately in my study my heart began to flutter provokingly and the long speech i had prepared flew away in shreds of rhetoric not that i meant for an instant to bait one tittle of what i had done and would do but i had never asserted my rights as yet in direct opposition to him nor taken upon my own shoulders the guardianship of myself but the dreary years of dark preparation and silent welding of character had braced a sensitive nervous nature with some little self-reliance with all the indifference i could muster i entered the gloomy room and found him leaning upon the high desk where he kept the accounts of his stewardship the position was chosen well it served at once to remind me of his official relation and to appeal to the feelings as betokening an onerous wardship of late his health had been failing him and after every long absence from home he returned more jaded and melancholy now a few silver hairs no more than a wife would have quickly pulled out were glistening among his black locks but though he was weary and lonesome he seemed to want none to love him and his face wore the wonted sarcastic and travelled look as our glances met we both saw that the issue was joined which should settle for life the mastery he began in a light and jocund manner as if i were quite a small thing well done miss clara you are asserting yourself why you have dismissed our visitors with very scant ceremony to be sure i have and will again if they dare to come back 
and don't you think that you might have consulted your mother or me most likely i should have done so in an ordinary case then your guardian was meant for small matters but what was the wonder to-day no wonder at all mrs daldy insulted my father and i sent her out of his house what made her insult my brother my refusal to marry her puppet and puppy clement daldy did she propose such a thing she must think very highly of you then i think very lowly and you declined did you clara no i refused very good no one shall force you there is plenty of time to consider the subject one moment is too much clara i have long noticed in you a rude disrespectful and i will say in spite of your birth a low and vulgar manner towards me your uncle and guardian once and for all i will not permit it child child you call me do you me who am just seventeen and have lived seven such years as i have and no one else he answered quite calmly and looking coldly at me i never argue with women much less with girls mrs daldy comes back to-morrow you will beg her pardon as becomes a young lady who has forgotten herself the other question may wait i thought sir that you had travelled far and in many countries the abrupt inquiry startled him and his thoughts seemed to follow the memory what if i have he asked at length and with a painful effort have you always found women do just what you chose he seemed not to listen to me as if he were out of hearing then laughed because i was looking at him clara he said you are an odd girl and a vaughn all over i would rather be your friend than your enemy if you cannot like me at least forget your dislike of me and remember that i am your uncle and have tried to make you love me and what if i do not then i must keep you a while from the management of this property my dear brother would have wished it until you recover your senses and not an acre of it is legally yours this he said so slowly and distinctly and entirely without menace that knowing his manner i saw it was the truth at least in his opinion strange as it may seem i began at once to revolve not the results of dispossession and property on myself or even on my mother but the influence which the knowledge of this new fact must have on my old suspicions surmises and belief will the property pass to you i asked yes if i choose or at any rate the bulk of it what part will be yours do you mean to say the house never mind now i would rather leave things as they are if you will only be more sensible i will not disguise my opinions for a hundred von parks or a thousand von palaces no nor even to be near my father's bones very well he said just as you like but for your mother's sake i give you till christmas to consider if you bring back mrs daldy i shall leave the door as she enters it i have no wish to hurry you he replied and therefore she shall not return at present now take these papers with you you may lay them before any lawyer you please they are only copies but may be compared with the originals which i have they will quickly prove how totally you are at my discretion the money and the land may be so but not i before i go answer me one question did you know of these things whatever they may be before my father's death he looked at me clearly and calmly with no withdrawal or conscious depth in his eyes and answered no as a gentleman i did not i felt myself more at a loss than ever and for the moment could not think end of book one chapter nine recording by denise nordell of modesto california